Hello and welcome back to the ME7 podcast. Uh, yeah, as you can see, uh, just at the bottom of our screen, uh, below me and Owen, we're joined by a man who, across four spells, played for the Jills 112 times, scoring 12 goals. Unfortunately, that career was cut short down to, uh, yeah, medical me- medical um, issues that we're going to get into later on in the podcast, but it, his career was definitely cut short. Um, a, a real talent in a Jill shirt um, across, across the four spells. We are today joined by Ollie Lee. Ollie, how are you, mate? Uh, I'm, I'm all right, thanks, guys. I'm all right. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Owen, um, yeah, it's good to get good to get Ollie on and, and speak about his Jill time. Yeah, definitely someone who's obviously been renowned for Jill's fans for the past three years. Obviously, very uh, upsetting how it, how it ended, uh, un- unforeseen circumstances and, and things like that, which is really unfortunate. But he's going to be a guest that he's going to have a lot of great stories for us, I'm sure. I'm sure he's going to be one that all the listeners would enjoy as well. So, good. Yeah, okay. I hope so. Talk rubbish <laughs> for a little while and see if I can get <laughs> All right, Ollie. Um, let's go back to 2012 then, where it all started in a dual shirt. Um, 20-year-old Ollie Lee arrived on loan um, from West Ham. Um, yeah. It was it was for a, for a month. Uh, then it got extended for for another month. But you featured for us eight times. Yeah, talk, talk to us how it came about. Yeah, well, I remember, I think I'd just been let go. I'd just been told that I could I could leave West Ham. So it was a bit of a crossroads in my career. It was a funny time. And then they... Um, uh, it was Ian Hendon was the reserve manager and he said, oh, Hess was interested, go down and train for a bit. So I went down and trained, I think it was a couple of days, um, done all right and got got signed on loan. And then, I, I, do you know what, it, it's funny just, just talking about it now already. I remember training at Priestford for the first time. I thought, God, what a stadium this is, like how good this is. Because it had been, for me, it had been a big step up because I'd been at Dagenham with all due respect to Dagenham. Enjoyed it there, but it was still a smaller club for whereas I got to Gillen, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is proper football. This is, and there were some good players there, like Simon King. I, I always speak about Simon King. What a player he was! What I think he had, he was still, he was probably right at the end of his career. That was still. And we played Port Vale away one game. Best performance I've ever seen from a centre back. He was just incredible. Like people like that. We had Danny Kedwell up front, like proper man, proper number nine. It was my first, not first real experience of it, but like proper. You're in it, and it felt like a big club, and we was. We was up there, weren't we? We were trying to get promotion, and it was like, yeah, it, it was. It was probably at the time it was a bit big for me, and I wasn't quite ready for the step. I think technically I was and stuff like that, but there was a lot going on, and there was a lot of good players about. And you realised what what football was going to become, and I think I was a bit. I think I'd had the knock in my confidence from obviously knowing that I was getting let go, and I was a bit starry eyed of, oh, what do I go here? Do I do that? Do I do that? So I didn't quite. I didn't probably do myself justice then, um, but I enjoyed it. It was a good spell. Again, another good spell to to realise what football is and what it's going to mean and what it's going to take to to get to where I want to get to. Yeah, OK. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you, you spoke about um, Danny Kedwell, uh, Simon King. It was, it was a real team that, um, certainly under Andy, um, that... For some reason or not, we just could not get promoted. Yeah, um, it, we missed out by the playoffs twice under him, um, and that partnership certainly the year after of Cody and Bayo. I know. Um, yeah, for, for some reason, what do you what do you put it down to? You speak about obviously the talents of what was in the squad, but for some yeah, reason, I, just I, I don't click, know what it was that season because that that season I remember. I think it was um, so there was like. Kingy, there was Joe Martin left back, there was Joe Kafour up front, Keds, there was Charlie Lee, Chris Walkdale. Like I'm probably forgetting a few as well. And it was it was proper players, like proper players that had, had championship experience, players that had won promotion, really top, like good League One players. And uh I don't know, for whatever reason, we just just couldn't get over the line, couldn't sometimes these things you need a little bit of good fortune, a bit of luck goes on your side, something ball deflects off someone goes in you nick a one nil and then confidence grows so you do need a lot of like a lot of people say football's a funny old game and you need a lot of things that just quite fall into place and just meant to happen that to get you over that line and I guess they just couldn't quite do that that season and and in seasons before but thanks because I also remember there was like um Jake Hess and Tyler was there Bradley Dack coming through there was 
Callum Davis, Connor Essam, Jack Evans, a good group of young lads coming through again, who I thought, yeah, these lads are really good. Like, um, these are really talented. So there was, there was a lot, you could tell there was a lot to look forward to. And it was just putting the pieces all together. Yeah, because, yeah, but was there ever, obviously the year after we, we ended up going to win the league under, under Martin Allen, was, was there, there ever a conversation with, with, with you coming back? At that point, I don't think there was. No, I, I, I don't remember, to be honest. But I, I, I did, like I said, I, I don't think I, I didn't do great, to be honest, in the eight games. But I had a couple of good moments, a couple of, yeah, he's done all right. Like, it was a bit like that. And I think it was not going to be the place for me to really start my career off and really get going. I think uh, it was the right decision to not not offer me anything there. If I, and I can, I can say that because I, I wasn't great. And then obviously, we're like, Daki coming through, Hess coming through. They were a couple of years younger than me. You could see why I will back our own, like as clubs would do. And Daki was probably better anyway. <laughs> so uh, I'm not surprised. Good decision. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it not being the most successful loan spell at a point in your career, you've just been let go from West Ham. You're still a young player. How much did you take away from the experience as a whole and how much did it benefit you later on in your career? Yeah, I, th- I think it was great to look back on. Like, like, like I said, I don't, I was in a tough period. I think that's what people outside of football don't realise what the, the players going through and what they're feeling. And West Ham, I'd been there since I was 15 and I thought I was close and I thought I could get in and then to get told you're not good enough, you, that was a hammer blow to me. That was that was huge. That hit me hard and I, it, it took me a long time to get over that. Whereas it's like, all right, yeah, Gillian, come in, go there, go and perform. I wasn't ready to perform. I wasn't ready to to be the player that I could be because I was getting over what what had gone on. You, you're like, it's like you're heartbroken. You, you've got this dream of I'm going to play Premier League. All my mates are West Ham fans. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the next Mark Noble, Scott Parker. I'm going to do that. And then you're told, no, you're not going to do that. That you're not good enough. Or it hits you hard. And I think that's a big, a big thing for me is helping players understand that that's okay. Like it takes you time to get over that rather than being like, right, bang, straight in. Go and be a good player. You're not playing well. Why are yeah. you not playing? Do, do you think, Ollie, that do you think we obviously talk about mental health in football and and, and, and for me I think it's massive for players that um players are not robots. They're, they're they're human beings at the end of the day. Um do you think there should be more in place for for players that certainly go through that period like you went through that Without a doubt, without a doubt, it, it's it, it's a big thing. It's a big thing now for me. I, I'm on my coaching journey, and it, it's massive for me. It, it's probably the biggest strength that I have. I think is I understand people, and I've got empathy for these players and what they're going through because I've, I've been through it all and I've felt it all. And I think there's a lot of people from fans, from boardrooms, from staff, from coaches that don't get it and do think you're oh, go out and play well. Yeah, but hold on, my little boy's not very well at the minute, or all these things that are going on, or there's something going on with family. Me and the missus are living apart, or there's so many different variables. If you don't know the person, you, you're not going to get it, and you're not going to feel it. And it doesn't have to be bad things; it could be good things that are going on, but have distracted you from outside. Or there's so much to it that if you don't understand it, and you're not looking for it. It's easy to find, and us as players will cover it up, and we'll it's always been the way like especially like my generation and older we're sort of like just get on with it get your head down get through it rub some dirt in it get on with it like that's how we were sort of brought up I think a lot of people so it's great that people are starting to talk about it and I think it can only benefit you because I know from my personal experience when I'm happiest off the pitch and when I'm enjoying my football and coming into training every day I play my best and that's when you that's the the only way to play but it's very fine it's very hard to find that that flow state that a lot of players talk about, a lot of athletes talk about is being in the zone and to actually knit all them things together is very tough because life hits everybody hard, whether you're a footballer, a builder, a doctor, whatever it is, we have our ups and downs and how we deal with them. We need, we need a support system and we need help from, from others. And it's okay to say, yeah, I'm struggling today. I need a bit of help. I need, I need something to help me find the levels I know I'm capable of. Great. Okay. Um, seven years passed. Then you went away. Um, you you become you you become a real man. Um, you yeah. You rejoined in twenty nineteen. 
under under Steve Evans initially on a six month loan that ended up turning into a whole season. Um, but yeah, talk to us, talk to us how it all come about then. Well, it, it was it was a weird time because I went up to Scotland, I went up to Hearts, and I loved it. My first season there, really enjoyed it. I played, I think I played the most games out of anyone up there. And then the I fell out with the manager with like a game to go, two games to go of the season, and then came back thinking, I oh, doesn't matter, like it's water under the bridge. And then I was told I could go. So as soon as it was like that, I was like, well, I want to I want to go back home then because I've I've had a little boy. He was one and a bit at the time. Uh, obviously, Mrs. My wife now had moved up there with me, um, and it was like, well, I don't. Re- I had lots of options in Scotland, thankfully, because I'd, I'd done all right, and I had a few other options. But I wanted to be back close to home. All my family's Essex, so Gillingham came up, and it, I was like, oh, do you know what? It's the ideal thing for six months. We'll we'll go from there. We'll see, and we'll we'll see where it leads us. Sort of thing. I was quite relaxed by it. I just wanted to be closer to home at that point and have my little boy grow up with his nanny and granddad around and stuff like that. So, and then we had, we had a good season and it, and it went and I think the manager at Hearts got sacked in the November, December time. And I didn't hear anything from the other manager. So I was like, brilliant. Right? I want to carry on, carry on my loan. So it, it was very straightforward from then because no one had said anything otherwise. And I was, I was happy and playing and enjoying and we were doing well. So it was a, it was a no brainer then to extend it. Do you, do you think it was an easier choice to make considering you had been here before in the sense of, maybe not in the sense of oh, I've been here before so I'll go back or more to the point of you were younger back then, maybe you feel like you didn't do your best in your first loans, you thought well, it was a good opportunity for me to come back here, play so I was at years ago and show how much I've improved as a player and show them a different side that like I did before when I was younger. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good opportunity. I, listen, I, I knew, obviously I knew from that spell that Gillingham was a big club and it was it was good that I had that experience of it, but it wasn't one that I thought I had to prove people wrong because it wasn't, it was a, it was a spell that I didn't really remember fondly or not fondly from the first one, if you know what I mean. It was just, I was going through something. I was, I was out there playing. I knew I wasn't doing my best, but it wasn't like I had to prove to the Jules fans, oh, I'm decent. It was more, I want to come and play well and show everyone that I'm decent. Not you're in football. You're always trying to um, prove people wrong and, show how good you are. So it wasn't that I had my back up to do something better. It was just, I want to go and play football. And if that wasn't going to happen in Scotland, I, I wanted to be closer to home. Gillingham's close to home for me. So let's go and show how good I am here. Yeah, it's, uh, obviously, um, yeah, Steve Steve likes you. <laughs> he, 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 he signed you. He signed you, uh, I think it was, he, he signed you a total of three times, if you want to yeah. say it like that. Um but but yeah, what what was it about about Steve and uh, and the squad that attracted you to to you joining on loan for us? Geography it was more than anything. To be honest, yeah. it was yeah being it was being close to Essex. It was it that was purely my number one focus was getting my little boy back around his family and back close to. Obviously, we we'd been up the road for for the year and he didn't get to see him as much and my family didn't get to see him as much. So that was purely it, Gillingham ticked a lot of boxes for that. Like I said, I knew it was a good club, good fan base, good stadium, things like that. I knew, did I know? I'm trying to think if I knew any of the boys before. I don't think I really knew. I played like Stu O'Keefe, played him a few times. There was Jordan Graham was there, Carl Dempsey. So I knew there was a decent nucleus. I knew I didn't want to be going to a team that, oh, we're going to get relegated or, or it's going to be like, I wanted to go somewhere where I could flourish. But yeah, it was mainly... It was it was family reasons to be honest, and uh, that was the number one for, that my family were happy. So with with Steve, obviously, he's, he's quite a, a polarizing figure. I suppose is the best way of putting it. I think he's one of those where, if he's not your manager, you probably hate him. If he is your manager or, or the manager of the team you support, you probably love him. And I think we a lot of us fell into that sort of category when we were here. We were seeing people on social media saying like this, that, never about him. But we were like, oh, we love him. We love his passion and his drive but now he's at another club like I hate Steve Evans you know is that kind of, what what was he like as a like day-to-day man-to-man manager with with you personally and the, the rest of the boys um tough question first season he, he was all right he was, he was cool with me he let me just get on and play my football really and do what I do best and then I don't know after that we didn't see eye to eye as much would probably be the best way to put it and uh yeah he's a he's a difficult man to be with day-to-day yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, 
it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because we we felt that Ollie as well. That um, certainly that first season when you mentioned it a minute ago, where Stewie O'Keefe, Jordan Graham, Carl Dempsey, Vadane Oliver, um, yourself, Connor Ogilvy, Jack Tucker, Jack Bonham, we had good good players. Um, yeah, and 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 really, we, we, let's go back to the first bit. Was the ambition simply let's try and get into the playoffs? Yeah, that's what we. It's funny because we we just enjoyed upsetting it for everybody. Like it was, and at that point, he just let us get on with it and let us play. Because one thing he's good at is seeing a good player. Yeah, he knows a good player. He can talk his way around to getting them to sign, and then it's over to you. And we was we was happy like that. Like if you just let us get on with it, let us play. Like you said, you've just ruled off the whole team there basically because that's what it was. It was the same eleven near enough every week. And we knew we knew our jobs. We knew what to go and do. Let's just go and do it. And that that worked that worked well for the first year. Um, and the second year, to be fair, we done we done pretty well too. We were just on the fringes of playoffs. So yeah, it was just um, yeah, it was it was just it just got hard day to day putting up with certain antics and certain behaviours that people were like, no, just let us get on, let us play, treat us the way we'd like to be treated. Treat people how you'd like to treat others really like as well. My mum always brought me up. So, and it was sometimes not like that. Yeah. It goes as well. The the quality we had in that season, like James said, all the players listed off, they've all gone on to better, better things. Now Jordan's obviously in the championship with uh, Birmingham. Kyle scored uh, a goal in the Pepperoni Passion Cup or whatever it was. (laughs) Bolton and they're in the position, I think, where they, I think they might be on the outskirts or inside the playoffs in League One somewhere yeah, around there. Now, but they've got a good chance. Yeah, obviously Connor. I think Portsmouth are a bit too far away now, but I think Connor's continued to to impress there as well. So, obviously, you mentioned the, the two seasons; those were the sort of players, along with yourself, who were the nucleus of it. And obviously, the first season we got to, I think it must have been January, was it? Maybe February, and then obviously the big um, COVID came along and shut everything down, and we were. Probably expecting it to be things where you know maybe the news are overdoing it, and it's a case of it's not as serious as it is. But then it obviously became that it was, and we thought maybe we'll start playing again in a couple of weeks, maybe in a month. Obviously, the Premier League restarted, but for for you as a player, when you're in that sort of merry-go-round of not knowing whether you're going to come back or not, and obviously as it turned out, we didn't that season. It just got cut away. What's what's the sort of mindset in that in that time period where you're not really sure if you're going to be coming back to finish the season or whether you're not? Yeah, it was it was really weird because I remember we uh I remember drive me Stu Connor used to all drive in together. So I remember hearing the news. I think it broke in was it Italy when it first broke. So I remember hearing it. That's that's crazy. What's going on? Oh, that'll never get to us. Mm. And then it was what like a I think we played. Did we play Sunderland? And you weren't allowed to shake hands before the game. Yeah. I think, was that the last one before it? Yeah. And we were like, when... oh, that'll be it. it never, that was weird, but it, it won't get us. And then it got us, and then we were like, oh, yeah, we was all obviously in the WhatsApp group, uh, Jam of the Sports Science, going, yeah, we'll keep yourselves fit, gave us work to do, we'll be back in a week, back in two weeks, we'll be back in a month. <laughs> and then it, it just kept going on like that. And it was, uh, yeah, it, it was a really, really odd, odd time for everybody, wasn't it? I mean, it's it, it's surreal when you look back now and think what we what we went through, and we didn't see our family and friends, and we were locked in the house. Like, it's, it's crazy to think we'd done that. And games with no fans, like... It was a, yeah, it was a, it was an odd time for everyone. Yeah, I think they just in the end they decided with the EFL. I think it was they cut the rest of the games. They did it on points per game, and then all they did was the playoffs, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah, that was how it went, wasn't it? And I, I think that worked out better for us, didn't it? We ended up. I can't remember, we, we, we went. Yeah, we went yeah, up so, one play. Yeah, so it worked out right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, um, yeah. During that during that obviously lockdown period, Ollie. Um, what what was it a case that what did the football club say to you? Was it a case of look go and go and, look, go and sort of look after yourself, or or, or did they put things yeah, on? What what was they, it? They, they put loads on at the start. To be fair, that like I said, there was loads of fitness stuff, and Jam was really good like that, and he had us doing certain runs and drills and stuff like that. And then obviously it got to a point where we're like, well, we don't know when we're going to be back, so you yeah. can't. You just it's down to you really, and um, I think people like everyone. Some people took it as I think you either went one way or the other. You got super fit or you got super fat. It was like there was no in between. There was nothing you could do. So I went one way and I was I was really intense with the run. I got the fittest I've ever been. I 
I was ridiculous with it. So it was like way too intense that way. And then there was other people who just sat down and drank and ate. And I think it was whatever worked for you to keep you going sort of thing. And I had, that was my routine was go out in the morning and run and run and work out and tie myself out for the rest of the day sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it was just, like I said, it was a really odd time to be a, be any in any profession, let alone being a professional football and thinking, oh, am I, when am I preparing for pre-season? When am I going back in? Are we going to have a season? What's going to happen? Yeah, um, I mean, you obviously, yeah, let's let's go to the the summer of of June twenty twenty one. Then uh, you finally put pen to paper on a proper contract <laughs> at, at the Jules. Um, yeah, was it a case that you? you Again, you've you felt at home. You were you were close to close to home, and you didn't really want to you didn't really want to go. Yeah, out I, I was I was close to home. I, I knew the boys. The boys were all were all good fun. I enjoyed enjoyed going in, uh, being around it. So it was yeah, it was a fairly easy. It was that or move my family across the country again to somewhere else. And I was what was I would have been twenty nine thirty. It was at a point when I was like, no, I think this will be better for me to to be settled rather than. <laughs> move again to them potentially because I always my plan was to uh, get back down south uh, when I wanted to be when my son went to school so that tied in nicely with that but even if I'd moved away for I don't know Barcelona come in you're going to take that but I always wanted to finish my career around Essex so because that would be my base and then if I had to go obviously I thought I was going to play a lot longer than this so that was always going to be my base and if I had to travel and do that that would be okay so it's um yeah, not not planned out how I thought it was going to go, but yeah, that was the de- decision. And um, with the other clubs, it was yeah, it was kind of Gillingham was the the one to go to. Yeah, and obviously we we mentioned the COVID season. I suppose it must have been an even weirder experience when he did come back. I think the first game of the season, if the first league game anywhere, I remember we played. I think it was Hull, wasn't it? We we got beat two 0 at home. I think. I think yeah. there might have been a league. Cup. I can't remember, but. Um, yeah, you're going. You're, you're going out, obviously, to to warm up, and you're going out to change room and come back in. You always get that buzz as a player, I assume, of like the crowds getting pumped up, everyone's ready, and then you walk out, and it's sort of just crickets. Yeah, what, what, what in- it was rubbish. It was rubbish. To be honest, I hated it. Like, it was, um, it just, it's not the same. Like the reason you play is for that connection and that feel, that moment that you score a goal and you get to dive in the crowd or the roar of a tackle or a, a mo- like anything. You, you're playing because. I think everyone plays because of the atmosphere that's built and the the occasion and the feeling of it. Without that, it, it, there was just something missing. Like for us players, okay, it was still good because you you're still playing football, you're doing the things that you you're doing something you love that you've done since a kid. But you do it for, I guess, you fill people with pride when you have a moment of scoring a winning goal, or you want that that feeling. And without that feeling, it was scoring a goal down the park is still a good feeling, but when you're used to it in front of five, six, seven, eight thousand people, and then it's not there, it wasn't. It wasn't quite the same. How, how long do you think it took you and, and the team to sort of acclimatise to that? Um, probably a, a little while. I think it, it was strange for everyone, and also obviously the way that we played was very intense, very front foot, very get the crowd on side. So I think it it hindered us a little bit. I think teams that were more possession-based and wanted to build, it was a little bit easier because if you gave it away, passing to your goalkeeper, there's not the crowd groaning. There's not people... You don't feel that intensity. You go, oh, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll just do it again. It's not... So for us, I guess it maybe it hindered it in that sense because we sort of thrived off the crowd being involved and we would just pin teams in into their half and then they'd feel, feel that uncomfortable, feel the pressure building and all of a sudden, it's like we, we said... The amount of goals we score in the rain event because it was just like the ball just gets sucked in the goal. We'd just be putting long throws in corners, crosses. It was the pressure, and it would just break the goal down. It would have to find a way. I remember um, when was it just before Christmas when we done Sunderland at home. Connor scored last minute, and the amount of moments we had like that where it was like that's just pure pressure. We built it and built it and built it, and for that moment, and then you're jumping in the crowd, and it's it's that. That's why you play. I suppose, in a sense, would be like when you're going to the bigger sides like Ipswiches or Sunderland's or players. Obviously, you scored in that game in the FA Cup against Sunderland, didn't you? I yeah. think that's. And obviously, I suppose maybe it's in, on the opposite side of the argument, <coughs> places like that when there's no one there. 
It is, but also they were, we always did well against Sunderland, to be fair, but yeah. they were the games for, for <coughs> us where we, we want to, you want to go and play, you want to go and play stadium alike, you want to play Port, you want it to be packed out because they're the ones that, they're the ones you dream about as a kid because, so you're watching Sunderland and Ipswich in the Premier League as a kid growing up, you're like, yeah, I want to, I want to score there, I want to do that. And I'm, I'm a Newcastle fan, so Scoring at stadium light, I was thinking, oh, I'm knee sliding in the crowd. I'm, I'm going to milk the life out of this. And then when there's not the crowd there, it, it, it was still great. And it's still something that I can say I scored there. But it's with that little bit of tinge of, oh, I wish I could have milked it a bit more and enjoyed it. OK. Um, yeah, I mean, um, let's let's reverse back to, to, to June 2021. Um, and it was... It was a bit of, bit of frustrating season, wasn't it, Ollie? Where we'd we'd just done so well during during lockdown, um, and I really do think with that squad, had the crowd been there, we might have even creeped into the playoffs. Yeah, I don't players, and we did used to say that we was horrible to play against teams didn't want to play against us, and we was in a rhythm. Like we, like I said, we just knew our jobs, we knew what we were doing, knew what, and they're the best teams that you play in is when everyone knows what we're going to do. Yes, we were very direct in it. Obviously that. My, that's not my preferred style of play the way it did, but it worked because everyone knew their jobs and then I could float around and drop down on things and maybe find a pass or hit a shot. Them little things that we, yeah, we sort of all knitted together there. So I think, like, we, I always think of uh, MK Dons, obviously, they're a brilliant side, possession side. And I remember that we we smashed them. We were like, yeah, brilliant. Like, the more you want the ball, it plays into our hands. Yeah, it played it right into our hands. I remember that night. Yeah, I, I, it, I think we, I think we, so we just enjoyed we spoiling people's parties, really. We just, did, did we nick three goals that night just yeah, from, three, from the sheer weight of them yeah, the ball away? possession, made a thousand passes and we were 1-0 down after 30 seconds as well. I remember yeah. that? They yeah. scored 50 passes or something and scored. And then we won 3-1 and that that's just what we were like. We weren't, we weren't pretty, but we were effective and we'd have players step up at moments and show a bit of quality or a bit of magic or like we said force the ball into the goal by sheer pressure yeah um yeah unfortunately during the summer of of 2021 it went it, it then started going a little bit peaked on um i remember connor leaving yeah he was, um, he was a big loss i think yeah. people underestimate how big a loss he was I think we, I think we lost. I think we lost, didn't we lose in, in during that summer? We had Connor, Connor, Kyle, and Jordan. Yeah, all in that summer. Kyle uh, went in the January, didn't he? But Jordan, Jordan went, and no, V was still there when he. Yeah, so Jordan and Connor, but Connor was massive because he could play centre back, he could play left back, and he was he was quiet, but he just got on with his job. He'd head everything, and then he'd nick as a goal at the other end. So he was a, I think, we spoke about it before actually that he was. He was a big a big loss for us because he just got what what Gillingham was. He he got on with his job and he was kind of the unsung hero that well, I suppose he ended up getting quite applauded because he'd nick a last minute goal and stuff like that. But he would just head everything away and then head or volley everything in your net. Like it was a good knack to have. Um so he 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 was a big miss and he was one that we probably didn't quite replace. Yeah. Yeah, because we 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 you spoke about it. Not much in length, but you spoke about like the antics and 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 the way Steve ended up being. We saw it from from fans that certainly in, in interviews throughout that season, he was always going at, at, at Scally um, all the time in, in press conferences and whatever else, um, or at, at, never directly, but it always used to be sort of comments and whatever else. As players, w- was it difficult to deal with? Yeah, it drove me mad. I won't yeah. go into it, but it was yeah. it was not right and had a huge effect on everything that was going on in the team because I still we wasn't the worst four teams in the league last year and it still annoys me now that we got relegated like that 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 drives me mad because it, sh- it shouldn't have happened um, and it was not all due to footballing reasons which is even more frustrating as a player because that's I don't care what's going on behind the scenes I want to play football and I want to. That was our job. That's what we do. Like so, for that, for stuff to, um, for stuff to come away from the football was was frustrating for for players massively. Because yeah, obviously that that season, you say we weren't the worst four in the division. I didn't really think we were either. Especially once Neil came in, you saw yeah, an instant exactly. response. You saw, you saw more of the the true colours when 
when the gaffer came in now and he he, he just set us up right and we was we was tough to beat and we again it, it frustrates me because we, we, we should have should have could have would have but you know like we felt we had enough to stay out we just made a fist of it if we'd had maybe a month longer with the gaffer or who knows what could have happened well, well see just before obviously Neil came in obviously he came in at just maybe a bit later than would have been ideal obviously he only got one day of the transfer window as well which obviously for him wasn't very helpful although he got a great player in Ben Thompson but obviously lost Kyle on the same day as well what was the morale like in between sort of just before Steve left and obviously the wait to get Neil in and obviously getting where we were at the table yeah well I think obviously (coughs) Neil coming in lifted everyone he was like "It's, it's a championship manager coming in it's a proper a proper football guy who knows what he's what we felt would knows what he's gonna how he's gonna set us up, how it's gonna be, what we were what we were sort of crying out for. And I, I think he's he's obviously turned out to be a good appointment. And I think I think the boys will kick on next season with him in charge because he's um he's first and foremost he's a good bloke and he he looks out for his players and he's been brilliant with me and I take people off face value and he, he's been really good obviously with everything that's gone on with me, it's not been ideal and it's been a strange thing for me to manage and for him to manage a player going through it. Um, I think he's been really good and so I, I can't speak highly enough of him from that aspect. You speak about, um, obviously, if, buts and maybes. Obviously, there was some results when he came in which were results he wouldn't have got earlier on in the season. I remember we went to Accrington and 1-2-0. We won at Lincoln as well in that period, obviously. Just before when we had Steve Hubble for that period, I think we, we had that 7-2 to Oxford, didn't we? Which I think is yeah. something I've seen before. I don't really want to see again. But obviously, as you said, it was it's buts and maybes. Maybe if you're putting it down to a certain game, I think it was the penultimate game, the, the, the one at Cheltenham where we were ahead twice, got pegged back twice and had to yeah. set off. But that, then, one uh, and, that one in Fleetwood at home, I think they're ones that sit with us. That we, we, Yeah, we, we could have won. Probably could have lost though as well. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so easy to look back on and say, "Oh, I wish I'd just done this or just this happened." But that's football. Right? That's that. That is what happens. And what happened has been. It was very hard to accept the actual relegation. I think I found I, me personally, I found that very tough. It because I, I just I was so frustrated with it all. I didn't feel we were the worst team, and it didn't. You know, in football, they always say, oh, "You get what you deserve." But you, I didn't feel like we did. I, I, I felt like. We should have just just nicked that point, that extra couple of goals or something, just to stay up, and then we could have reset properly and and done that. And I think, yeah, it's still grind. I don't know if you can tell, it still grinds on me a little bit now. That it, it just, yeah, it wasn't. I didn't feel it was meant to end that way, but but it yeah. did, and it's a learning curve for everyone involved. And obviously, I think there was a bit of a hangover this season from it, but hopefully after putting this season to bed, the boys will, I, I really do think they'll kick on next season and they'll be we're, a force to reckon with. We're definitely unlucky in the sense, that I know fixtures are fixtures, you've got to play everyone twice, but you, you really couldn't have asked for a worse game on the last day of the season, could you? Nah. Brother and Nick, but they no, were okay. exactly. And they, they were, they were a very good side and they were, they were strong all over and quick all over and they, they knew their jobs and they, going back to, they knew their jobs that you could tell on the pitch that all their players knew we were sort of, Huffing and puffing and hoping something came off and something would fall to someone. And rather than them, you always felt like they could they could kick on a gear, like they could they could punish you when it needs to be punished. Like like all promotion teams do. I've been in them myself, where even when you're playing poorly, you know someone's going to pop up with something. And yeah. we maybe didn't quite have that, but obviously, if you look at the season from January to the end of the season, I think we was comfortably mid-table on form and things like that. And that's where we should have been. That's that's what it should have been with, yeah, with a little bit more, a little bit more, a few more weeks behind us. Who knows? Yeah, because, uh, Ollie, you speak about, you speak about the man, Neil Harris. Um, he, he's a class act in, 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 in our opinion. Um, certainly in my opinion, I, I think he's a, he's a brilliant bloke and, uh, and he's come, come under some, at times, unwarranted, um, criticism certainly when we're playing well. Um, it, yeah, you you speak about the man management side of Neil, um, but but do, do you feel he is the man to to lead lead Jules back back to League oh, One? Yeah, without doubt, without doubt. He uh, he just he looks after people, and that that's very important. Well, for me personally, is I I wish I could have 
repaid him by getting back on the pitch. That's what I wanted to do. That was that was my goal because I wanted to like football. You always want to show how good you are, like I've said, and I wanted that opportunity to do it and repay the faith because he gave me he gave me time off when he, he probably didn't need to, and we were struggling and things were going right. He probably thought oh, I could do we just just get Ollie out there, like just see what he. Could. And he never put me under any pressure to to do that. And at that point in time, that's what I needed. And um, so I, I I really appreciate that from him that it wasn't it, it wasn't like that. And that's why I think they'll succeed. And I mean, he's obviously managed at a higher level in his experience. And I think now with with a bit of backing and as they've shown in January, recruiting the right people, um, I think the, the club will be right up there next season. I think it says a lot about how much he's, he cares about the club as well, because there's definitely been... I know someone asked him about this at one of the fans' forums that was done recently. You know, at the end of last season, he could well have gone and thought, well, I tried to keep him up, didn't happen, I'll, I'll go on to something else after the relegation. This season, you know, midway through, just before the takeover, he could have looked at it and thought, well, we're bottom of the table, maybe I'll cut my losses and move on, which you have seen with, with managers in the past. But he, he stuck it out. He's always, in instance, his press conferences, he's always maintained that he, he wanted to stay and he wanted to put things right. And obviously, with this new ownership and the investment that's given to him in January, I think you've seen the proof is in the pudding, isn't it, really, with the new players that have come in, the difference they've made under his man, uh, managership. And as you were saying earlier about the table from January to uh, the end of the season last year, where we would have been, I think at the minute it would have us, I think, third or fourth. So it shows yeah. a dramatic change. Over. Yeah, that's that's it. And like The gaffer tactically sets his teams up really well. So I think... At the end of the day, and football money talks, and whether people like it or not, yes, you can do stuff on a shoestring budget, as shown throughout throughout the history of football. But also, it helps when you've got people that can put the ball in the net, and you can give everyone else that confidence around that. Oh, if as long as we keep a clean sheet, we can nick a goal, and then you see players' confidence grow, and you see more come out, and like you're seeing better performances and better results from the boys now because they've got maybe a little bit more at the top end where we're able to score a few more goals and or nick something from a set piece, which maybe wasn't quite happening before. Now you can go, all right, we can score and we know we can defend because the defensively they've been decent all season. So uh, it's a good combination to have if you can nick. And I'm sure there's um, a lot that the gaffer wants to work on and improve as I know what kind of bloke he is. That he always wants more, but um, I think it's a good, you're, you're in a good place now to build, hopefully with a good recruitment drive in the summer on for next season. And, who knows what can happen then? Like I said, um, when we were talking before, I think it'll be a tough league next season, maybe tougher than what it is this season with the teams coming up. Um, but it'll be interesting to see to see how it goes and and how we build on the good good spell that we've had since January. Yeah, I mean, Ollie, obviously we come to the we come to the summer then. Uh, summer summer just gone. Um, I, I remember actually you scoring a, a penalty, um, Folkestone. Um, back in back in pre-season um nice hot day in Folkestone um but but yeah it was it was a it was a weird summer wasn't it in terms of recruitment um just didn't feel sort of right we we, we it was just it, I, I the same. It, it, it was a, it was sort of a weird vibe coming from from yeah, the team I, and I, Neil not, and yeah. how was you feeling yeah weird I, I didn't I wasn't obviously when we got relegated my mind straight was like, right, we're going to get promoted, we're going to win the league. Mm. This is this is going to be where we're at. And I've got out of that league before. So I was like, once we'd done pre-season that, I was thinking, yeah, this this could be good. Like, like we can have a good season of winning games and there's enough, no whatever, relevant at what level it is, you want to win games. And and then, yeah, it was the, I don't know. Yeah, there was a weird feeling, like you said, I guess, that I just, we needed, without being disrespectful to any player, I would never want to do that. I need. I wanted to see someone come in who were like, yeah, we can hang that out. And like when I got promoted with Luke, we had Danny Hilton up front, yeah. and we had James Collins up front. And I think that changes things. So like I said, you can have League Two is a slog, and there's going to be games where you don't play well and you're not as fluid. You need someone that can pop up with something and be the man. And I didn't think we quite found that. Um, which hopefully that you found now with Ollie Hawkins doing well and Nico who. I crossed over with uh, Tom Nichols for two weeks and I was impressed. He was a player that I was like, oh, I'd love playing with you. I would have enjoyed that because he's he's intelligent and he's smart. And I think if you had that from the start of the season, then like you said, the form guide shows what, what could have happened. Yeah. 
yeah, it was it was weird, wasn't it? Because because nil, um, the season started. We just we just could not buy a win. We couldn't even really score a goal. Um, it was just it was a, a disaster. But but then the cup games we were we were beating prem sides and 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 it was it was all very strange, um, wasn't it? it was do you, do you, I suppose do you feel that when it comes to the cup games, it, the reins were released a little bit. The pressure was released. Yeah, I think the pressure was relieved. I think it's always, it's sometimes a lot easier when you're the big underdog and you've got nothing to lose and you can just park the bus and do that. And I think a lot of managers talking about parking, it, it is easier to set a team up to defend and to stop scoring, to destroy, rather than then being fluid. And I, I would take, I took a lot of that pressure on my shoulders because obviously that would have been my role in the team was to create and to score, chipping with goals and, and I, I don't know what I played. I must have played five games a season or something like that. It wasn't many. And yeah. so when the team weren't scoring, it weren't. I was sat at home like it was killing me because that, I could have helped. And I, I know I could have helped. I, I could have, well, a fully fit Ollie Lee could have helped. The, the state I was in, I wouldn't have helped anyone. But that mm-hmm. having that, if I could have been able to do what I could have done, I think I would have been a big help to the team. And we maybe. Yeah, we, we could have scored a few more goals. And like I said, even if you're nicking a 1-0, you start getting a bit of belief. Or even if we could have got a penalty and we've scored from one from that and then people start believing a bit more because that's what it needed. And it, I guess in pre-season, it didn't, I remember we played Palace and stuff like that. We didn't feel like we were miles away from it. But for whatever reason, it didn't happen. And then the longer that, that goes in football, it's hard to turn the tide because you're just like, oh, you're going into a game. Oh, are we going to score? Or are we going to score? And then if we concede, yeah. You feel the whole place go flat when we. I remember watching the games and we concede, and then the fans would go, oh, "All right, well we can't score two, so can't even score one. So how are we going to score two? And yeah, that's what it. That's what it felt like. So we didn't quite have the the firepower to to get you to help you build that confidence. And that was that was unfortunate. And that was yeah, it was the hard part for me because I felt like I, I know I wouldn't have been the twenty goal man, but I felt I could be a threat and I could do something which I know I'd done previously in League One and yeah that, that, that was a, a tough period it was, it's been a, a long tough period for me and that was uh, yeah that was part of it So Around the time obviously you mentioned you only played around five games one of them was obviously at Modern Year well I think you came on as a substitute didn't you in the in the Wolves game yeah. uh, so that was a great experience at least for, for that year but obviously just after that is when things started to change we were on social media hearing like murmurs here and there but with you know Gillingham and takeovers it's sort of things we've heard in and out for the last few years and nothing's really materialized from it so naturally when it came about this time we you know took it with a pinch of salt as we have done before because we know it hasn't worked out but obviously this time and and thankfully it did um Brad and Shannon Gallison came in to take over the club I think we, we we must have been bottom at the time and still in the same poor form of not being able to, to win or score a goal. But as a player, when you sort of hear that, do you see those rumours on Twitter or social media, things like that? Or do you find bits, bits and pieces? Yeah. But we, like yourselves, we'd heard it for ages. So uh, we all took it with a pinch of salt. We waited to see what would happen. And um, I think, I think they'd been in once or twice, but obviously I, I wasn't around the training ground for, for quite a substantial period. So I was, more oblivious than others to what was going on. I, I didn't get to meet them, things like that. Um, so I didn't know, but then obviously what it going for, that's what it needed. And I, I, we'd been saying in-house that it, the club needed a lift. It needed a bit of love now because it's such a good club, such a great catchment area for bringing players in, for a fan base, for for everything. It ticks so many boxes. Uh, it just needs a bit of love. And thankfully, it's, it's getting that bit of love that it needs. And I, I do think... Uh, <laughs> it can get back up to where Gillingham should be uh, with that bit of love, with that bit of investment, with the right people in the right places and creating the right culture. I think it can be back where, where the club belongs, but it may just, it may be a longer journey than fans would like it to be. Obviously football fans are very impatient and they want everything now and want it done. But I think with the building blocks being put in place, I think the only way it's going to go is up now and, It'll be like I said. It'll be interesting from an outside looking in now of where, how, just how high Gillingham can go, and just how far the gaffer and the owners can take the club. Ollie, um, I think it's important though that we speak about uh, the reason that you had to unfortunately retire early from football. Um, 
just just uh, just um just tell people the term that you've the, so the condition psoriatic arthritis so um yeah i don't know if people have heard it psoriasis is like you get like rash on your skin sort of like eczema so i've had that since i was a kid really my family have got it and, but then it, in the last year it found its way into my joints um so moving running around i was never the fastest anyway as you all know so they're moving running around and taking contact became like a little shoulder barge just would become agony for me and it would be so you see you're tentative you want to stay away from a challenge or do stuff like that and i didn't i was never a big tackler either but i got stuck in and i was about it and i tried to poke things and put my body in the way and it became too painful and then i've got um reynard's condition which is so your hands and your feet so it's all the blood runs to my heart but comes away from my hands and my feet so my touch would become even worse because i can't feel my feet anymore so that became that became a real a real problem so it's, it's like imagining your feet are in an ice bath but I'm, I'm trying to play football as i'm doing it and so it was um the combination of them both so it's like a mixed connective tissue disorder it's called so it's an autoimmune disease it's loads of scientific so tell, us, tell us when tell us when it first when when it first sort of come to your attention that that, that it was a it was a problem um and and yeah from there what was sort of the timeline to to when they yeah, so eventually about, stopped about a year ago really so during the the yeah from january when the gaffer come in I, i'd had bits and bobs going on so i'd always um it got to a point i'd have to soak my feet in hot water before every game just to get some feeling in them and then you know the um you know the hand warmers you can get these scrunch up in your hand and that. so i was playing with them in my boots just to try and feel my toes and feel my feet and it was uh yeah, so obviously that that was not ideal. I was wearing like two pairs of socks. I was doing anything to try and get a bit of feel. And at this point, I didn't really know what was going on. I just knew something wasn't right. And then as as we progressed, I thought, oh, maybe I don't know. I don't know what it was. I didn't. I didn't know what was going on. Then I ended up getting. Uh, I take weekly injections now of methotrexate to to dumb the pain down a little bit for what I've been in, and then. So come start pre-season, I came back thinking, right, I'm going to give it everything I've got. I'm going to roll my sleeves up. I'm going to get through it and get through it. And pre-season, I felt terrible. And I was just getting through in the gaff. Like, obviously, I scored a few goals in pre-season. I remember Crystal Palace game. Obviously, I scored two. But at half-time, I wanted to come off. I was desperate to come off. I didn't say anything to the manager. I didn't. He didn't. He knew because he'd seen me, like, putting my feet in hot water before a game at the back yeah. end of last season and stuff. And he was like, what are you doing? Like, weirdo. And I was just like, oh, I've got this stuff going on, but never went in depth with him. So he never really knew what was what I was dealing with. And I remember, yeah, Palace at halftime, I was like, in my head, I'm just like, just, just come off, like, just tell him. And then obviously played on, done all right, scored a couple of goals. But even then, I knew I felt terrible. I felt I couldn't get close to people. I couldn't run around. I was like, oh, maybe they're Premier League players, like, they're quicker, faster, stronger anyway. Then you play other games. I'm like, there's young lads in training running past. I'm like, nah, that's not it. And then I had, um, do you remember we played Charlton away in the Papa John's? In the, yeah. And I've never wanted to come off a pitch so much in my whole career. Like Gaffer took me off after 60 minutes or something. I was delighted. And that's never been me. I'm usually wow. raging coming off. And I just, I just wanted off. Because there was a moment in the first half and I can remember it so clearly that They'd attacked us and what I don't know it was a young lad for Charlton in the midfield. He ran off me that way. And then we counterattacked and I saw the ball going wide. And I'm like, yeah, like that would be my moment. I'm getting in the box and running. And I just remember going, I can't make that run. I can't do it. And so then wow. I had that thought in my head. And then I've got the box, I've probably got to the edge of the box, like not as high up as I'd want. And the rest of the game just passed me by after that. And the gaffer went. He went mad at me after the game and he was like, your head's in the clouds, what are you doing? Like, you're miles off it. And the next day I went, I was first into the training ground. I went and I pulled him and I said, like, Gaffer, you're completely right. Like, my head is in the clouds, but it's not for whatever reason you think it is. It's because my body's just breaking down at the minute. My body's not doing what I want it to do. I can't move how I want to move. I can't do the things that were so easy to me before. It was it was natural. Yeah. Run box to box. That's, that's cool. Like, yeah. Nip in front of him, nick the ball, win your second ball. Couldn't do anything. I didn't want anyone to touch me. 
it was it was just agony I, like for the last however long I, I wasn't I wasn't able to do gym I couldn't do one press up because my wrists would hurt too much to, for the pressure like bending your wrists wow it was there was just loads of stuff going on that people didn't know about and again as footballers like in the relegation round, I just wanted to play I just wanted to be out there I wanted to help the team I wanted to try and keep us up and then you're going into a new season. Like I said, I thought, oh, we'll be up there. Like, things will be all right. I'll be able to get through. It's, it's League Two. I can score a few goals. I'll get that good feeling back. And it just got worse and worse. And it just kept kept dragging me down. So when I, I spoke to him at Charlton, he was like, right, what do you want to do? Uh, so I had two weeks off. And um, I had a bit of time, got medication right. So then I was taking injections every week. And I was taking six tablets a day trying to get through training. And that's what all I was doing was getting through training. So I could, I'd take all this medication to play five out of 10, to to be out there, but not being able to affect anything, not being able to do anything. I was a body. And um, I'm quite a proud person like that. I wanted to be, I wanted to be the man for it. I wanted to be able to, stay. I wanted to show, yeah, I'm really good for League Two. I, I know I'm good for this level. I know what I can do. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do what was so easy for me, what I've been doing since I was a kid. I couldn't move that way. I couldn't take the contact. I couldn't do the things that, that were easy. And it, it, it drove me mad. And I think mentally it, it killed me because there's, yeah. I knew, my head knew what I had to offer. My body, because there'd still be things we do technical drills and I could be all right because I could ping balls about still and I could finish and, because I didn't have to raise my heart rate. I didn't have to get the blood away from the body. I didn't have to get contact with someone. And then those days were, if anything, were worse for me because I could, oh yeah, I could do it. I can yeah. do it. Like, but I was always technically good. I'm still technically good now. I can do that. But get me to run around and win a second ball and challenge with a bit. I, I can't because like you spoke about the Wolves game. The Wolves game was awful for me because I played 20 minutes and it felt like I'd been hit by a bus for the next three days after it. And that was like when I really knew like I can't I can't carry on like this. So again, the gaffer put me on the bench just to be a body again, just to be around it to make I guess to make the bench look a little bit stronger because we we were down to the bare minimum then. And then yeah, put me on. Uh, and again, great experience. Like you said, it was nice to be out there, but for three days after, I felt terrible. My my shoulders aching, my knees, my ankle because it's literally every every joint yeah. gets sore. So. That was when I was like, there's no way I can carry on. And obviously it's a horrible decision to make. And it's it's not something that I came to lightly. I'd after I had that break from Charlton, I had another I came back into training and then I actually had a heart scare that nobody knows about. So I had um we were training the lads that hadn't played and we did a five aside and I was sprinting and I just had to fall over basically on the side of the pitch, like on all fours couldn't catch my breath. My heart was racing out my chest. I had my watch on and my watch was going crazy. The beats per minute. So I went to A&E um, and they basically like long story short, they said uh, because I was on steroids as well at the time was one of the tablets that virus had found its way into my heart. And so it could have been, it could have been quite dangerous, but it wasn't, it was, it was fine. I had all the tests. I, so wow. then I had another two weeks off because I had to, I had a heart rate monitor fitted for two weeks uh, two weeks solid where I couldn't do any exercise or anything, but just had to check that the rhythm was right. The beats were right. The, the heart was pumping blood around the right way. So that was another two weeks back. And I'd like, right. Okay. This is, this is another freak thing that's happened. So it'll be okay. Everything will be good. Now I'll get back. Then tried to come back. Obviously I had to get fit again. Cause I'd missed six weeks now. So it's doing a preseason again. The whole time I'm doing this running, my feet are killing, my, my hands are killing and I'm trying to, at that point, I was trying to be like, no, I'm getting back. Like, I don't want to tell people what's going on. I'm just getting on with it. I don't I don't want to speak about it. I want to just play. I want to put myself, because obviously we were struggling as well. And I wanted to, I wanted to help. I felt so guilty that I couldn't help. Um, and I was trying to get to that point. And then it was just the more you're doing it, the more things were getting worse, to be honest. There were, I was just, it was the mental turmoil that, uh, a lot of the things, some of the medication, the side effects were like depression and things like that. So you start going through. Wow. I, really, I had a really tough period before Christmas where, yeah, it was hard. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to do 
do certain things. I've not really spoke about spoke about it before, to be honest. I think the, the gaffer knew what was going on at that point because it was it was really tough. And then you get into the point where I, was just, I can't do this. I can't just keep trying to keep on, but not doing myself any justice, not doing the lads any justice, not doing the club any justice. So I had to make make the decision that I'm still struggling to accept at the minute, to be honest, because yeah. you have days where oh, my body feels okay. Maybe I, maybe I could come back. Maybe I can do it. And you can't, you, you can't. Like when I tried to go for a run this morning, I can't feel my feet. So it's like, wow. I can't do the normal things that used to be so easy. And it, it does, it does hurt. It, it has been a really painful journey um, that I'm still going through. But thankfully I've, I do have, I took up coaching more seriously two years ago before any of this happened and sort of fell in love with it and found my passion for that. And that's been, that's been brilliant to keep me going and to keep me getting my buzz of football still, but not having to be in agony after it or not having to, to have them jewels that usually you could be in, but not come out. And then, yeah, like I said, the pride factor comes in that you just can't do what used to be easy. Like coming into this season, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be top player. Here. I want to win player of the year. I want to get team of the season. I want to do all these things. I can't, I can't run. <laughs> I can't yeah. Run. So it, 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 I just think you realize in life, these, these things are sent to test you. And then it's how you, how you can react to it and how can you bounce back? And that's what I'm trying to bounce back at the minute and trying to find my path and find the reason I think in five years' time, this might be the best thing that's ever happened to me. But right now, it's... doesn't feel that way. Oh, it doesn't feel that way no, at all. No. I think this is one, one of the reasons why we wanted to do the, the podcast so badly with you, Wally, because you'd, you'd, like, you'd, like you just said, that you've, you've never spoken about it before in public. Um, this is the first time that you've ever sat down, certainly with a podcast, to our knowledge. Um, yeah, no, it is the first time I spoke to I yeah, didn't know but... I was going to talk about it today, to be honest, but then it sort of come up and I want to... It's something that I want to build into having the, the courage to, to talk about these things, to talk about the days I didn't want to get out of bed and I, I couldn't. And I've got two young kids and I, I, did, yeah. I didn't want to get out of bed. They, they, they got me through it. They've got me through it. I'll get me through it because I'm, I don't want to let them down. And I want to be, no. I want to be someone they're proud of. But in football, your, your whole life is validated by what you do on Saturday. Of, and it shouldn't be that way because we're more than footballers. But, for me, since I was 15, that's that's been my way is if we win on a Saturday and I do well, brilliant, life's great. If we lose, I'm rubbish. Uh, this is the worst time ever. And it'll beat me up until the next training session or the next game comes around. And that, that's been hard. So Saturday at three o'clock is a nightmare time for me at the minute. It's wow. it's like your body click, kicks into gear and it knows it's game time. You should be there. And then I try and not watch the results come in, but then I'm checking my phone and I'm, what's the team? How are they getting on? What's going And it's torture. It's, it's real torture. And I think all players that retire have to go through it. But obviously I was one of them players that I never relied on pace. And I thought I was going to play till I'm late thirties, 40. That was my, my goal was my dad played till he was 40. So my goal was to beat him at whatever level that that's what I wanted to do. So to be taken short nine, 10 years is, it's hard to, it's hard for me mentally to deal with at the minute because I'm like, no, I'm still, I can still do it. I should still be scoring goals. I should still be fighting for promotions. I should, there was more left in the tank. There was, and I know there was more left in the tank in my mind, but yeah. my body had other plans for me. Yeah. And, and any discussions towards perhaps the end of the season? Because when we heard the news about your unfortunate retirement, we all wanted to, we all like the idea of, of you being, you know, paraded around the pitch, like maybe the last home game or anything like that. I'm sure that's something that everyone would, would like to happen and like to see. Or has yeah. that been no, I haven't heard anything, if I'm honest. Um, that would be amazing. That would be, I, I didn't know stuff like that was going on. That would be, that would be a lovely thing to, to be part of for sure. Um, but no, it's, it's not anything I've heard of. And I, like I said, Neil's been brilliant to me. So it's not something that I would be chasing up if it was something the club yeah. wanted to do. Yeah, it was asked at the fans Great forum. News. It was asked at the fans forum. One of the fans asked. Oh, was it? Uh, that's amazing. One of, yeah, one of the, uh, yeah, one of the last fans forum that happened the other month. One of the fans had said, 
um, is there any chance we can get Ollie Lee back to to give a to give a a, a goodbye and a, and a round yeah. of applause for everything you've done for us? Um, and the football club did say that they would be in contact with you at some point to get yeah, you back. Yeah, so maybe, so maybe that'll come. Like I said, it's not it's not something I'm pushing towards, but I'm so grateful for for that from the fans because like the messages I got when I put the statement out there and things like that were they they blew me away. To be honest, it wasn't expected. I said it's been something that I think. Um, People don't say enough to people as you're doing it. Like, I wish someone had said during my career, oh, what a great player you were, or what a great person you are, and all these things, because you don't say it enough to people. And it's been a big thing for me now is I look back at their messages all the time I, because it gives you that little boost you need when you're feeling a bit down. Oh, yeah, people valued what I did, and people enjoyed what I tried to offer and tried to do. And it means it means it meant the world to me, to be honest. It It was... Yeah, really overwhelming couple of days reading through the messages and taking it all on board, the small part you played in people's lives and experiences and people saying they had memories of this goal and that goal. And when you're in it as a player, you're sort of oblivious to it and you're like, yeah, I scored right, but we've got a game Tuesday, so I've got to think of that. And now when you're getting the nice messages and people saying how they celebrate and how they made them feel, and that's that's what I'm in it for. Like I said, that it's football, I play it for that connection for that moment between players and fans that everyone wants to be part of something and you've just created something that last minute winner or that goal and everyone's celebrating the same reason there's no there's no better feeling and it's the that's the feeling that I'm missing like crazy to be honest that coaching gives you a buzz but not the same buzz as when you're the man doing it and you're stepping up and having that moment I'm sure, obviously, we, we massively appreciate the detail you've gone into regarding uh, the reason you've had to you have to give up football. I'm sure a lot of fans, when they read the, the statement about your retirement, they would have looked at it and felt really upset about it. They might not have been too sure about what the actual condition was. Like I, I wasn't initially when I first heard it, and obviously, you further explained it today. So it just it will give fans a lot better perspective of what's really going on, have a lot greater understanding, and I'm sure that the fact that you've been brave enough to come and speak about it and all the struggles tonight will just even add to the massive admiration all the Jules fans have for you already. It's, you know, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's very kind of That's the thing, because to be honest, I didn't know what was going on with my body either. I just, I knew it wasn't working. So it was only in, what, six months I've like properly diagnosed with something and then trying to reach out, trying to find athletes that had been through it. There was, there was not very many. There's, there's a couple of guys that, uh, that have reached out and have helped me out and, and gave me a little bit of advice, which has been great. Um, just to to know someone's in the same boat, and I, I would say the same if people are struggling with Reynards or arthritis of any kind, then don't hesitate to reach out to me because I'm by no means an expert in it, but I can tell you how I've felt and the things that I've gone through and the medications I've taken that might help a little bit. You, you just don't know. I think I'm finding out with these these autoimmune disease that it's very much each to their own. It's very much what works for your body. And I'm still exploring what works for my body. And I still have good days and bad days and reacts to this. Like my missus has got me on, I'm drinking celery juice every morning now and things like that. And just trying to get something so you feel good. It seems to be working. So I'm sort of going with it. You, you have to explore and trial and error. And it's a lot of frustration, a lot of knockbacks, but you can only keep going because at the end of the day you want to feel better and you want to I want to be able to I want to be able to run around and I want to I'm not going to be able to do the 5k times I used to do and things like that but I want to be able to I'm an active person I always have been and I'm determined that that's what I will be and I'm I'm getting slowly I'm getting back there and I've been going on runs and I've been going on longer walks and I've been doing a little bit at the gym which I couldn't do six months a year ago um so that that's a positive but I think there's still a way to go, but I'm always at the minute now I'm trying to look on the positive side and trying to find the good and find what, right, I've been dealt this hand. What's going to be the reason? What am I going to make the outcome? Because you can sit around and you can, oh, woe is me and everything's bad. Or you can get up and go again and see what else gives you that passion and what, and like I said, thankfully for me, coaching, I've, I've found that passion and I love helping helping people and, trying to improve players and find ways that what makes them tick and how can I get the best out of them? So I'm, I am very, very lucky 
that I found that because I, I don't know where I would have been without it. And that's again all could, players coming. Think, to think you can see yourself back at Gilles one day in the coaching. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I want to be a manager one day. My, my goal is to be a Premier League manager. I, I, I always set my, my goal very high and try and go after it. So who knows what could happen? But yeah, I, I, I don't see why not. Well, you and you and Eric could turn into the Cowley brothers. You never know. <laughs> you never know what could happen in this world. So yeah, like I said, I think in five years' time, this it could be the best thing that's happened to me because it's helping me get ahead on my coaching journey. Um, I just yeah, I thought I had a bit more to give playing, though, unfortunately. No, excellent. Okay, no, Ollie, you've been you've been brilliant this afternoon. Um, thank you ever so much for letting us. In, into the insight into into your mind and 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 how you're doing and 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 obviously the condition and and your career and and yeah on behalf of everyone on the podcast um yeah we firstly we wish you all the best for for, for that for you for, for your coaching career and and thank you very much for for representing Jules over a hundred times and and we, we we wish it could have been more but, but <laughs> so hopefully, do I, mate. So do I. hopefully hopefully we can see you um we can see you back at the football club in in another aspect one day. Yeah, no, who, who knows what the future holds. And thank you very much for having me on. Like I said, I, it was great to have played for Jill so many times. And I, like we said, I would I would loved it to be in a few more times. I thought it was going to be a few more times, but not to be, but all good experiences and all, all learning that I'm going to take with me now to hopefully be the best coach I can possibly be and the best manager I can possibly be. Excellent, excellent, excellent way to round it off. Thank you for watching the ME7 podcast. You've been listening to Ollie Lee this afternoon. Thank you. Goodbye. Cheers, guys.